Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we read the 29th Psalm, a Psalm of David. Ascribe to Yahweh, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to Yahweh glory and strength. Ascribe to Yahweh the glory due his name. Worship Yahweh in the splendor of holiness. The voice of Yahweh is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. Yahweh over many waters. The voice of Yahweh is powerful. The voice of Yahweh is full of majesty. The voice of Yahweh breaks the cedars. Yahweh breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of Yahweh flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of Yahweh shakes the wilderness. Yahweh shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of Yahweh makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. In all his temple all cry, Glory! Yahweh sits enthroned over the flood. Yahweh sits enthroned as king forever. May Yahweh give strength to his people. May Yahweh bless his people with peace. This is the word of the Lord. Eighteen times. If you were counting, 18 times, David, as he writes this psalm, uses the divine name. God gives the divine name Yahweh, which is Hebrew for he is, a confession of our faith every time we say his name. Yahweh gives that name to us to use back in Exodus chapter 3. And here, as David is praising Yahweh, praising God, he uses the name and he calls upon really all of creation to do so as well. This is a hymn for the people to sing of God's power, of God's might. The word ascribe in the first two verses, uh, more simplified for English, would be give. So give to Yahweh. Ascribe is kind of an interesting verb. Just take off the the A from the front of it, right? And think of the idea of scribing something, writing it down. Attribute to him. Give to Yahweh. Glory and strength. Glory is to be exalted, to be lifted up. Strength. At this point, you're talking about God's strength. And that's going to happen throughout the, the hymn. David is pointing this at the angels, though. Notice that at the start of verse 1. Ascribe to Yahweh, O heavenly beings. God's angels, who serve as his messengers, and also as his soldiers, his warriors, his army. And so we can say, you know, give to the Lord strength in that way as well, because the angels, they fight for the Lord. They serve him in this place, both fighting, but also giving him glory. So they fight, they battle against Satan's horde of demons. And then they also, as messengers, proclaim the good news about who God is and what he's done. Remember, it's an angel 
that gets to announce the coming birth of Jesus Christ. And it's an angel who gets to announce to the people, the, the disciples, that the tomb was empty, that he is not here, he has risen. It's the angels in Acts chapter 1 who get to tell the disciples, the apostles, if you want to say it at that point, that the Lord Jesus Christ would come back the same way they had just seen him go into heaven. They're messengers, and they glorify God with their message. Indeed, he is lifted up, he's exalted, he is made for us to look at. We look to God. He is worthy of our honor, anything, really. Worship Yahweh in the splendor of his holiness. The word his isn't there, but I mean, where else does the holiness come from? Really, this one is quite unfathomable for us. We can't even imagine his holiness. We can't imagine his perfection, what it would have been like. Isaiah, as he sees God, cries out, woe is me. He thinks he's going to die from the sight. And yet, because the temple curtain has been torn in two, which separated God's holy presence from his people, protected them in a way, it has been torn in two from top to bottom, from God to man, when Jesus died on the cross, because his death, his blood shed for you, takes away all of your sin, which is what prevented you from coming into the presence of God and living. The day is coming when we will indeed worship Yahweh in the splendor of holiness, his holiness, which he has also given to us. And that day is paradise, and we await for it. It is our hope that Christ will raise us from the dead. The next section here, verses 3 through 9, are about that strength of God. So what can his voice do? First, verse 3, it's over the waters, a reference to Genesis chapter 1, the creation account as the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the water. But it's also a reference to his authority over the water, that he can speak and the water does whatever he tells it to do. He sets its boundaries, which we see in Job 38.11 when he says, Thus far shall you come and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. He sets its boundaries, he fills it with life, and he uses it even then to fill us with life as we think of God using water and the word in holy baptism to wash us clean of our sin. He has the strength to do all of these things, including the flood, which is mentioned in verse 10 as well, the flood that God used to judge this earth and wipe out all peoples save eight. 1 Peter chapter 3, which then connects that to baptism. He thunders in his glory. This is something that they saw in Exodus chapter 19 as God descended on Mount Sinai. It's something we even see in John chapter 12 verse 29 as Jesus prays to God the Father and the Father responds from heaven and the people that are there, some of them said that it had thundered. 
The voice of Yahweh is powerful. Again, Genesis chapter 1, he speaks and stuff happens. Amazing things. Let there be light, and there was light. He creates the light and darkness. He creates sun, moon, and stars. He creates the earth and the seas and the heavens and the the trees and the animals all by simply speaking them into existence. So great is his voice. And then Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 speaks of Jesus saying, He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus upholds the entire universe by the word of his power, by speaking. Don't listen to those who say that we are destroying this world. Like, to the point of actually thinking we're destroying the world so it'll burn up because of what we have done and what we do. I'm not saying we're not destroying it and tearing it up. That's our sinful nature. We were made to care for it. We do the opposite. But it is mighty prideful of us to think that we can permanently, completely destroy what Jesus is upholding by the power of his word. His voice is full of majesty, which is a a royal-like word. His voice breaks the cedars, even the cedars of Lebanon. So Lebanon, very well known for its cedar trees, cedar being a very uh, beautiful tree, The lumber, very high quality, good use for building, especially exterior projects. Even today, cedar is a preferred outdoor wood for building stuff like a deck or something like that. So high quality. The cedars of Lebanon were imported for use as Israel built its most important buildings. Solomon building his palace or, or the temple. Before I get too far, I did skip over one of my questions for your family conversation here, and it's a good one. As you think of the idea, again, of what Yahweh's voice does, of how Jesus upholds the entire universe, of how he spoke this creation into existence, talk about what does God's voice do for you? And this, yes, this gets to baptism as the word is connected with the water, And it also gets to absolution, that spoken word of forgiveness that you hear from Christ week in and week out through your pastor. The servant called to make sure that word of God is in your midst always. And his promises continued to speak to you through his word that you would know that you are his child that you would know that your sins are forgiven, that you would know the promise of the resurrection and of a life that never ends. All right, so back to verse 6 then. Lebanon is the territory north of Israel. The southernmost part of it is Mount Hermon. So if you were to look at a map of the Old Testament, you might find the city Dan on the northern edge. It's just a little past there that you get to Lebanon and on your way to Syria, really. Mount Hermon, again, the the southern edge of it, 
located roughly 117 miles north of Jerusalem, if that helps you place it as well. It's also, though, Mount Hermon, the name here in verse 6, Sirion. It's the Sidonian's name for Mount Hermon. So you have the southernmost mountain range of this dual larger mountain range of Lebanon, and God says that he's going to make it skip like a calf. Well, David says that the Lord will make it skip like a calf. This is a reference to even the mountains fleeing in fear. You think of how a young calf that's scared, frightened, will dash off into the the woods and try to hide and disappear. So great is the voice of God. Yahweh's voice flashes forth flames of fire. Often in the Old Testament, uh, commentators will take fire as lightning in a situation like this. So Yahweh speaks and lightning comes forth. Yahweh speaks and flames of fire. We might also connect to judgment as we think about well, hell, quite clearly, but also Sodom and Gomorrah back in Genesis chapter 19. So God's judgment is certainly at hand here. He shakes the wilderness the wilderness of Kadesh. Kadesh is in the opposite direction. So Lebanon was off to the north of Israel. Kadesh is off to the southwest of Israel. As you were heading back towards Egypt, you'd have to go through Mount Sinai's peninsula. And it is that peninsula then, the wilderness of Zin is the northern part of it, where you would find Kadesh, Kadesh Barnea. Uh, sometimes is how you'll see that written out. So God is in control not just of his nation, his people. He is God of all. The mountains listen and they quake and they flee. So so to the north, so to the south, any direction. The voice of Yahweh makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. Now, as we think about this from the terms of sheer power, Verse 9 certainly invites us to consider this from the fright image. So deer giving birth early because they're scared into labor. Just like the trees being stripped bare. But I think we can also take this in a different direction. The idea that Yahweh's voice gives life and takes it. In fairness, I don't recall anywhere in scripture ever talking about plants being alive. We do have that reference of man, and we do know it also of animals, that they are living, that the the blood inside of them uh, is their very life, is the way it's described in Genesis chapter 9, as God talks about eating meat for the first time to his people, to Noah. But this picture here that God speaks and things happen, God speaks and deer give birth. He created that fawn in the first place and so he speaks and that fawn is born he strips the forest bare he created those trees in the first place he can also bring about their destruction god brings life god takes life i think it goes to the first pattern that we described here the the idea of fright but the creation reference also works in his temple all cry glory so that goes back to verse one that we would give glory to god when we actually consider, when we stop and consider, again, who he is and what he's done, that we would lift him up, our eyes would look to him for all things. Yahweh sits enthroned over the flood. 
Yahweh sits enthroned as king forever. May Yahweh give strength to his people. May Yahweh bless his people with peace. This hymn ends by shifting back to, much like verse 1, the idea of giving glory to God. He sits enthroned over the flood, which seemed to be a reference back to the flood of Noah's day, to the great destruction and judgment that happened. So God is judge over creation, but he's also king over creation, and so he rules, he cares for his creation, he cares for his people, and we certainly, certainly see this. And then the prayer of Israel's king David in verse 11, that Yahweh would strengthen his people and bless his people with peace. This is the other time for a family conversation. How does God do this? How does God strengthen us? How does God give us peace? How does he sit enthroned as king forever? All of this is in Christ. It is in Jesus, as Yahweh promised King David in 2 Samuel 7, that the promise is fulfilled of a son, a descendant of David, who would sit on his throne in Jerusalem forever. It is through Jesus that we as the people of God receive strength, not like giant muscles, but the strength of faith, a strength that allows us to endure any attack the devil throws our way, a strength that allows us to live forever. This strength is not from us, but from Jesus. Thanks be to God. And may Yahweh bless his people with peace. And this is why Jesus came. Colossians 1, Paul wrote it this way, Through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Peace, not like simple quietness. Peace as in the end of war. A peace treaty. Chaos ended. Our rebellion, our war against God has ended because Christ is our king and he has forgiven us. By the blood of his cross, by his blood shed for us, our sins are gone. And we can stand and will stand in the presence of Yahweh forever, giving glory and strength to him, worshiping in the splendor of holiness.